And this morning I want to preach about a situation in the early church in Samaria. And we know that, that uh, Deacon Philip, he went out and preached the gospel in Samaria. And he didn't have any paperwork with him. I am an apostle. I am a great man. No, he just started preaching the gospel. And I believe that's important. Every believer is, is being called to testify and witness about Jesus. And if the Lord opens the door to preach, go ahead and preach. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. The gospel must be spread. And God wants to use anyone who is willing and obedient to the Lord. So this morning I'm going to speak on the theme, Two Simons in the Bible. Two Simons. And you will find a vast difference between these two Simons. And I'm going to read from Acts chapter 8, from verse 9 down to verse, I think it's 24, or what is it again? Yeah, 24. Okay. Now there was a man named Simon, who formerly was practicing magic in the city and astonishing the people of Samaria, claiming to be somebody great or someone great. And they all, from the smallest to the greatest, were giving attention to him, saying, this man is what is called the great power of God. It sounded very mighty, full, and good. And they were giving him attention because he had for a long time astonished them with his magic art. But when they believed Philip preaching the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were being baptized men and women alike. Even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued on with Philip. And as he observed signs and great miracles taking place, he was constantly amazed. A man in the church, he was not really, really what God wanted to do. And somehow he slipped into the church. The church is a body of believers. Hallelujah. You can't slip into the church. You only can belong to the church of Jesus Christ if you are really born again. Amen. Hallelujah. In Germany, when I was a pastor there, somebody said, What must I do to belong to your church? And some would say, well, you must come regularly, regularly to church. Then you come, become automatically, perhaps, a member of the church. No. You must be born again. And that's what Jesus said very clearly. You must be born again. If somebody is not born again and slips so into the church, then he will cause only problem and Shorter or longer, he will be discovered by everybody. 
And so it was with Philip here, uh, with uh, Simon. Now God moved wonderfully through a simple deacon Philip in Samaria. And we see that some were demon-possessed and they were being set free in the power of the name of Jesus. And others saw healings. There were people who were lame and they were healed. And it was a wonderful revival there, we can say. God is moving and when he is moving amongst the church, I tell you what, you can be sure, the devil is next to it. He will always try the things God has started to undermine in some way or another. But I want to continue reading from verse 14. Now when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent him Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen up on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of Jesus, or the Lord Jesus. Then they began laying their hands on them, and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was bestowed through the laying on of the apostles' hand, he offered them money, saying, Give this authority to me as well, so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter, and Peter was also called Simon Peter. He was another Simon. His old name was Simon, but he became Peter, a rock. And we read here, but Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. And unfortunately, Christianity nowadays has been really, really muddled up by so-called money preacher. We are not a money preaching church here. We preach Jesus Christ. Amen. Can you say amen? amen? Hallelujah. And so, we see here, and Peter said very soon, May your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have no part or portion in this matter. For your heart is not right before God. Therefore repent of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord that if possible the intention of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bondage of iniquity. But Simon answered and said, Pray to the Lord for me yourself so that nothing of that you have said me may come on may come upon me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank the Lord that we can read 
what happened in the early church. And we thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, for the apostles who had such a clear call from you and worked, O oh Lord Jesus, and many, many got saved. And I pray this morning, Lord, that in our midst you might establish your wonderful word. Hallelujah. Give grace to speak. Give grace to listen. And give grace to act upon your word in the precious and wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, as I said, many believed in Jesus. And this thing was a very interesting situation. The apostles who were in Jerusalem heard about Samaria has received the word of God. And then some of the other apostles said, well, it would be good, Peter and John, if you would go down to Samaria and pray with them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. And here's something very interesting. We must understand, these were born-again people. They believed in the gospel. They believed in Jesus. What so should Peter and John go down for? But the Holy Spirit was not or has not fallen upon of any of them. What is this term? What is this term? They knew exactly. They were born again and they had the testimony of the Spirit within them. They are born again. As we heard last night very clearly. And it's very important and very easy to remember. Romans 8 2 times 8 is 16. So you know exactly. Romans 8, 16 says very clearly. His spirit is testifying our spirit that we are children of God. Amen. Hallelujah. That we are children of God. And that's a testimony of the spirit of God. He testifies us. You are a child of God. Of God. And if somebody asks you, are you a child of God? Don't say, hmm, what, what, what does it mean? What is it? Not everybody is a child of God. Only those who have been born again. Born again through the Spirit of God. Now these apostles came. Simon, Peter, and John. Let me refer to his old name, Simon. Because he met Jesus. And Jesus said, your name is Simon. But from now on, you should no longer be called Simon. You should be called Peter or Petros. A rock. And we see, when they came down, they were praying for them. And let me, let me talk a little bit about the religion of the Samaritan. Now somehow Simon the magician, he slipped into the church. He even got baptized. And sometimes you can see, and I heard it often from uh, missionaries, when people got baptized in the mission field and they have not broken really with all the tradition and the demonic things of their past, that sometimes uh, people who got baptized manifested 
demonic powers at the moment when they got baptized. All of a sudden, there was something that was not detected by the missionaries, perhaps. But here we see something very interesting. And as this here, the Samaritan's religion was riddled with occult. We see the first thing as Philip was preaching that one thing that happened immediately, there was, and many with evil spirits, the evil spirits were being cast out. There are evil spirits. I experienced itself in my ministry many, many times. I had to come against these evil spirits in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Don't you worry if somebody manifests evil powers or demonic powers. We have authority in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And Jesus said very clearly, I have given you authority. And that is true. And we can act upon the authority. The authority is not in a name. The authority is in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And that's so important to understand. Now, in John chapter 8, verse 48, and we get a little glimpse into the religion of the Samaritans. And we read there, the Jews answered and said to him, that means to Jesus, do we not say rightly that you are a Samaritan? Was Jesus a Samaritan? No, he was a Galilean. And what do they connect together with Samarian? Do we say that rightly? Can we have it here? John 8, 48. John 8, 48. The Jews answered and said to him, Do we not say rightly that you are a Samaritan and... And what? And have a demon. So they didn't accept Jesus Christ and the things Jesus spoke about his father. They didn't want it. And they pushed him down to the level of being a Samaritan. A Samaritan was somebody who was most likely demon-possessed. And that's what it said of Jesus. The Samaritan had a kind of narrow-gauge Judaism. Do you know what it means, a narrow-gauge? Yes? You all have heard about Puff and Billy, yeah? Now, Puff and Billy is a narrow-gauge railway. But you couldn't put any locomotive from Victorian railways on these gauge. It wouldn't work. So, it was with the Samaritan. They had a kind of understanding, but it was very narrow. They only had the first five books of the Bible being called, also in Greek, the Pentateuch. And that's what they only knew about God in the first five books. And so that's all they knew about God. They didn't know anything about the prophets 
or the servants of God from the rest of the Old Testament. They were only in the Pentateuch. Okay? But the Samaritan had just a vague understanding of Jesus. A very vague understanding. In their last book of their so-called narrow-gauge Bible, which was the last book of the first five books in the Bible, Deuteronomy, that's right. And we read when Jesus was a Samaritan and a woman at the well, and she said something, we know that the Messiah is coming. He is called what? He is called Christ. And we read it in John chapter 4, 25 and 26. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming. He is called Christ. And when he comes, he will declare all things to us. In some way, they expected a Messiah to come or a Christ to come. She expresses here in the New Testament and was written in Greek and so being used the Greek word for Messiah Christ, or Christ Christos actually and Jesus said to her I said to or he, Jesus said to her I who speak to you am am he the Messiah you are talking about and it was promised in Deuteronomy, this Messiah, it's me, the one who speaks with you, it is I. Perhaps it was not clicking straight away in her. And interesting is it here, Deuteronomy 18 verse 15, the Lord your God will raise up from you a prophet like me, from amongst your countrymen, you shall listen to him. Moses then prophesied, already, somebody is going to come, a prophet like me, who will do the things like me. Of course, we learn in, in uh, Hebrews that Jesus is far, far greater than Moses. And the sacrifices in the Old Testament are far, far great. Uh, the, the sacrifice of Jesus are far, far greater than the things in the Old Testament. And here it says, and you shall listen to him. And there was an incident in the life of Jesus and he took a few uh, disciples with him onto a mountain. It's being... Uh, or talked about the Mount of what's it again? Transfiguration. And all of a sudden two prophets appeared to them there. And who were the two prophets? Was Elijah and Moses. So, and then there was the voice coming and speaking this is my beloved son. Listen to him. 
Jesus is so important to listen to. Jesus is so important to believe in. Otherwise, there is no way of salvation. And Seth, what you said this morning was very good and very clear. Our real gospel matches. And this one is this. Jesus is the only one who paid the price. The only one we worship. The only way to heaven. And this is Jesus. And we see here, when the apostles came, that means Peter and John, they came to Samaria. And they didn't come like this. Okay, we'll see what's, what's the matter here now. And uh, so on. No. They were very humble. Peter was not about having a great name. This other Simon, the first Simon, he thought he is the great power of God. And the simple people of Samaria believed it. But now, when Philip was preaching, they believed Philip, the gospel of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. And now the apostles came for one very reason. What was the reason why did the apostle come? Anybody listen to us in verse 16? For he, the Holy Spirit, has not yet fallen upon any of them. They've heard Samaria has received the word of God. There are many people who believe now in Jesus Christ. And the apostles sent Peter and John. Go and pray with them. What was missing? What was missing? What was? Do you read the Bible? The Holy Spirit had not yet been fallen on any of them. What, is, what sort of term is that? Not yet fallen on any of them. They were believing in Jesus Christ. But the early apostles knew as well there is the endowment of the Holy Spirit important for every Christian. And that's been called, very simple, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Very, very simple. Now, the apostles came. And Simon, who was before there, and he was a man who had tricks and astonished the people. And now there comes another Simon, Simon Peter. He had no tricks, but he knew because he was there at the day of Pentecost when it happened, what happened to the Spirit of God according to the prophet of Joel. And what happened there? And it was this, at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came down and fell upon 120 people. They were all gathered together in one accord on the upper room. And all of a sudden, the Spirit came, and we read, and they all spoke in other tongues. Hallelujah! Some people have something against it. And there are sometimes 
evangelicals. They say, well, this is a little bit odd. Doesn't sound good. If that happened in our church, many would run out of the church. No, no, no. I don't want to have to do anything with it. Now listen to this. Peter was there. He experiences himself. And people were mocking. And others were saying, oh, they're all full of wine. They are drunk. And Peter stood up. He said, no, 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 no. They are not drunk. This is that what the prophet Joel has promised. That God is going to pour out his spirit on all mankind. Is that biblical? Can you read it? Do you want to read it? It's very clearly we can read it in the prophet of Joel. Now Simon, when he saw, and the apostles, Peter and John, they prayed, they laid their hands on them, and what happened? Most likely, it doesn't say expressly there, most likely they might have spoken in other tongues. And Simon the magician listened. What is that? He can make people to speak in a different language. Oh, that's something, that's a trick I, I'm missing in my trick box, or box of tricks. If I have this also, and lay my hands on somebody, and they all of a sudden speak in a different language, oh, that would make me even a greater man. Simon, this Simon the magician, was egocentric. And there's no room in the kingdom of God for egocentric people. We all must repent and must be humble before God. Then God will use them. And Peter says in his letter very clearly, God would stand the proud, but the humble he will bless. Hallelujah. And here was Peter, a humble servant of the Lord. Now, it's very important. If we want to have the Spirit of God moving in our lives, you know what is important? Sanctification and holiness. God doesn't pour His Spirit in a dirty heart. It needs to be cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. And if you think you can speak in tongues by just a trick and not being sanctified by Jesus Christ through the blood of Jesus and not humble before the Lord, forget about that language you are speaking. Forget about There was a trick Simon the magician he wanted as well. He offered somebody, listen, Simon Peter, if you might have said this, give me the authority that if I lay hands on people, that they all of a sudden speak in a different language. That would be something dramatic. If I would do this before a great crowd, they would all applaud me. So we see, there was something in his heart that was all right. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are very clearly given by God. There's a new ministry coming up already on the scene in America. And that's the so-called 
Bethel Church in Reading in the USA by a pastor, Bill Johnson. Now, what they do, they do now Christian tarot card reading. So, Christian tarot card. And I asked my dear brother, Bush, have you heard about, yes, he said, they are not far away from me in California. So, and many, many flock to this church there. Bethel, have you heard about? Who has heard about Bethel Church? Yeah, and they're coming to Australia as well. Yes? Bethel Church. Yes? And they're into Christian tarot card reading. I don't know how it goes, but uh, you can click it on the, the YouTube or whatever, you know, and they hold their hands and, and then all of a sudden they speak about your future and the tarot cards tell all the things. This is demonic power. It's not the Holy Spirit. Remember, if you want the moving of the Holy Spirit without holiness and sanctification, we slide into the occult. We slide into the occult. And that's dangerous. Now, interesting, Peter knew something about a genuine Pentecostal experience. Hallelujah. He knew something. He was in the middle of the whole happening on the day of Pentecost, wasn't he? He was a spokesman and told them all clear what it is the Holy Spirit has come upon these as it is risen through the prophet Joel. Now the Samaritan didn't have any idea because the prophet Joel and all the prophets were not in their Bible. They only had the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch. Now we see here, Peter, or the apostle, knew very clearly the difference between the Holy Spirit within me and the Holy Spirit upon us. Do you understand it? Peter knew very clearly. And we're going to read in the prophet of Joel, the scripture. Joel 2, verses 28 and 29. And that's back to the prophecy of Joel. And if somebody calls himself a Pentecostal, read this clearly. And the prophet prophesied in the name of the Lord, I will come about, or it will come about after this, that I will pour out my spirit on, not only in, on all mankind. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your men or young men will see visions. Even on the male and female servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. The first Pentecostal movement and experience was the outpouring 
of the Holy Spirit upon the 120 people. Amen? Anybody believes that? I do. Why do I believe it? Because God's word that is not lying says it. And we can experience this too. And that's what the apostles were there for in Samaria. I know people are trying to find a trick and go around it, you know, especially those who don't like the tongues which God affiliated with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. This was not a Pentecost for the Samaritan, neither was there a Pentecost for the Ephesians chapter 19. It was something God has promised at the first event of Pentecost. Then this is for you and your children and everybody God is calling. That means for all Christians, for all believers, is the power of the Holy Spirit there. Of course, the apostle knew about when the Spirit of God is in us, he testifies that we are children of God. And everybody has called upon the name of Jesus, whether Baptist or whoever he might be, or Methodist and believes in Jesus, is a child of God. And we see here, Peter, or Simon Peter, because as I said, my sermon has this, this topic, two Simons. And Simon Peter, he knew exactly. He knew everything. And if God accompanies the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost with new tongues, that is God's prerogative. You understand? I am a Pentecostal and I don't have to apologize for God. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's true. But I've heard Pentecostals are speaking in tongues. I said, yes, if they're really born again and baptized in the Holy Spirit, they do speak in tongues. Isn't it funny? They will push us away, people. No! At Pentecost, as drew people to that event. From everywhere they came and listened, these people speaking in other tongues. And there were at least 15, 16 different languages. And they all heard the great things of God spoken. Hallelujah. Now this, this Peter, Simon, the magician, he saw these things. And he wanted to kept into the loop with the apostles. He knew these are the men from Jerusalem. They were genuine. They were real men of God. And if I only could get this trick as well, what should I do? Press very hardly here, perhaps on a temple or what? No. It's the prerogative of God. God has decided that, that when the Spirit of God will be poured out on the day of Pentecost, He Gives the new tongues. Hallelujah. Don't go for it. If somebody said, well, are you baptized in the Holy Spirit? You said, no. But, oh, I, I can do it. And then they lay hands on you and says, speak after me. Forget about it. This is cheap, cheap imitation. It's not the Bible. Amen? And you have the right 
still rejected. But you have the right to pray about the Spirit of God, about the anointing of the Spirit. And if you're looking forward, say, Lord, baptize me in the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And God can do it. I believe it. I believe it. And I experience it as well. Now, if anyone at the scene here in Samaria had any clear understanding of Pentecost, it must be Peter. Do you agree with me? It must be Peter. He was there at the first event. And he understood. And he himself was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, the Spirit within us gives us a testimony that we are children of God. As we read in Romans, very easy, 8 times 2, 16. Romans 8, 16. And the same Spirit testifies our spirit that we are children of God. Amen? And that was not what Peter came for. Peter and John came for what the apostles sent him, that they might be filled with the Holy Spirit. Then the Spirit was not in verse 16, for he had yet, not yet fallen upon any of them. They were only being baptized in water. Now what was the purpose of these apostles in Samaria? that they might be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Amen? That they might be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And they also knew about the Holy Spirit upon us will enable us for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. If you read in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 12 and 14. It's full of, of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That's because these people were filled with the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of God came upon them. And every gift of the Holy Spirit in these two chapters of 1 Corinthians are inspirational by the Spirit. You can't start just prophesying and say, well, this and this. No, no. It, these are a wonderful inspiration of the Spirit. Now Peter said, no deal. Simon wanted to make a, a, a spiritual deal with Simon Peter. But Simon Peter, he had the Spirit of God of discernment. And he experienced it once in chapter 7, I think it was, Ananias the fire. And you know the story. And he said, well, is, is, is it all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why have you lied? He had the spirit of discernment, the spirit of God, and the gift of discernment. And he had the gift of discernment here too. He said, you? Your silver will be condemned with you, thinking that the gifts of God can be obtained by money, 
Salvation has nothing to do with money. Can I hear a loud amen? Amen. Salvation has everything to do with Jesus. Can I hear another amen? Amen. Hallelujah. And we see Simon Peter. And he said, I know that you were not redeemed. And that's what Peter says later on. I wanted to connect this. Peter was very clear later on. And in his letters, he writes very clearly. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. Can we have it on the overhead, please? I know that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver and gold. That means your money, your bank account doesn't mean anything to God. It doesn't mean anything to this church either. Amen? Can I hear the elders? Amen? Yes. Should I rephrase it again? Your bank account, your money, your silver and gold, gold has no meaning for this church. And all the elders say, Amen. Hallelujah. And the deacons could say too. And even the ones who is the treasurer of this church, he should say amen too. Can you say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Now he writes and points it very clear out, clearly out. Knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver and gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood. Hallelujah. Can I hear the amen then? But with precious blood, as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. Hallelujah. Oh, Peter got it and nailed it very clearly. Very clearly. Now purchase all occultic leftovers from you former life. And I must say, to this belongs also worldly satanic music as our dear Pastor Gary preached last Sunday. Doesn't it mean the same thing? All these things need to be chucked out. Need to be chucked out and cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. A little story. Can I tell you that story? Or should I say amen now? Do you like it? Okay. It was in my ministry when I was still in Germany. And we had at that time, on a Thursday night, Bible studies, different Bible studies in different rooms. And we had about three uh, teachers. And Ellen and I, we were just going to the Bible study. I had a class and others from the church had a class. And the phone rang. Pastor, there's such an evil spirit, evil presence here in our house. Could you come, please? What does a pastor do? Oh, well, I've got no time at the moment. The Bible study... Uh, is uh, 
coming. I have to be there. No. I said, I'll come. And I rang one of the elders, and he was a prayer warrior. Oh, you should have listened to that man. He loved the Lord with all of his heart. And he was in a prayer meetings, and he loved the Lord. And he said, yes, I come along with you. That's why pastors need good elders, spirit-filled and prepared at any time ministering to the Spirit of God to the members of the church. So I went to church and I said, Ella, you are taking the class tonight. And I have to go with this brother to this place. And she, I said, all I want you is just pray. All I want you, just pray. Go on your knees, and the whole group, I think we were about 20 people or so, and they went all on their knees and prayed for this case there. When I got there, and this lady, she gave her life to the Lord a few years before, but somehow she was not really, or hasn't cleaned up with all the things. It's so important that when you come to the Lord that all your garbage and demonic stuff is being chucked out and we read in the ex at a place they brought all these books, you know, all these books. And Satan in Germany is very clever and he called two books according to the Bible. Listen, that is the sixth book of Moses and the seventh book of Moses. They sound according to the Bible, but a demonic sorcerer book. I didn't read it. I don't want to touch it at all. But we came there, this dear brother, this elder, and asked, what's, what's the matter? He said, I don't know. Somehow, here's an evil spirit. And she sensed it. She sensed it. And we wanted to pray, and then she confessed. She said, when I was a young lady in the university, there was a Chinese young man, and he read my, what do you call it, hand lines, or what do you call it? Palms. I said, did he? Yeah. I said, well, you know that, and everybody knows that occultic, it's satanic. And I tell you what, Satan is a cleverer guy. He sent the invoice later on. He can listen, you can listen to what they say, but later on, somehow, he sends his invoice by depression or whatever, claiming you back into the kingdom of Satan. We prayed for her, and interesting, she showed us her hand, and she was not able to pull it back in. Some of demonic forces were active in this case, and we prayed for her and loosened her in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah! There is power in the name of Jesus. Amen? There's power. And said something else. And in the meantime, 
that Bible study group my wife led, they were praying on their knees, praying and praying. And then she said, we live in the house of the grandmother of my husband. He wasn't a Christian then, but then he was a Christian. But uh, they moved in and her grandmother was a witch. Pardon? Oh, his, his grandmother. She was a witch. And she did bring spells to the village where they lived. And she opened that, that window on the attic and then spelled these demonic uh, spells over the village. And I said to my brother, let's go up to the attic. We're going to drive the devil out. Hallelujah. And we went to the attic and there was a window and we praised the name of Jesus and drove any spirit out in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. It was about half past nine in the evening. We came back and rejoicing. The joy of the Lord was there. Hallelujah. Where Jesus is, there is no power of devils can be there. And then all of a sudden, we came back to the group and Ella said, Buena, what was there? Something. She had a vision. I believe in gifts of the Holy Spirit. And she had a vision and she said, what was it with that window? I said, what, what window? Yes. I saw in my vision a window and she described that window exactly. There was a window a long bar and a bar across. And this window was totally black. And they kept praying. And it must have been exactly at the time, half past nine in the evening. Said so all of a sudden, the window was cleaned. It was clear. And then they started to praise the Lord in that group and worship the Lord for the victory. And she said, when was it? I think it was about half past nine. When we went there and cast the demon out in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Now we see Simon the magician. He slipped under the radar into the church. But God detected him. We don't read anything of him anymore. But Justin the martyr was born 100 AD in Samaria. And he reports in church history that this Simon the magician, he tried to get glory from people as God. And then he started his own Gnostic church. You know what it means. The Gnostic church, or Gnostic as we say. And he slipped totally away. He was so near, but not willing to give up the power of 
darkness, I think God could have saved him wonderfully. And this is a warning for everybody of us here, everybody who, who heard this or heard this sermon. If there is anything in your life from your former life, perhaps connected to the occult, chuck it away in the name of Jesus. And I must say the Lord gives victory. We had somebody who was in Africa in a building site from his company. And he brought us a wooden mast about this big. You know, in Africa they have these masts. I don't know what these masts mean. Voodoo masts or whatever. Brother Eddie, you're from South Africa. Do, do you remember these things? Do they exist in South Africa? Yes. And he brought it, and he thought he would want to give me a nice present. We had it a few days, and Ellen and I said, well, this is not right. This is not right. It's a nice souvenir from South Africa or wherever you was, I don't know. And one day, we took it and threw it in the rubbish bin. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's so important that all these things, that your house must be cleansed by everything or from everything that doesn't mean God or Jesus. Hallelujah. Unfortunately, Simon didn't get salvation. But Simon Peter had a clear word. He was a modern anti-money preacher. Can you say amen? Amen. This is a modern anti-money preaching church. And everybody says amen. Hallelujah. But we are Jesus preaching church. God bless you. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your wonderful word. Lord, nothing of the evil one can exist in your presence. And I pray, Lord, if there's anybody here and somewhere or another has artifacts of formal life, perhaps immoral life, perhaps occultic life, I pray, Lord Jesus, that this person might come to you this morning, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Amen.